Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Borough Market Podcast, where we stroll around London's oldest food market each week to chat to the traders and producers to find the stories behind the stalls. This week, we meet Nadia Stokes from Gourmet Goat and find out how her childhood memories have inspired her multi-award winning street food. You remember things from the past based on images or smell or flavours. For me, it's mostly flavours um, and that's the most powerful memory trigger. <laughs> yeah, and, and for a lot of people it is. Yeah, the I think the so. smell, yeah. the taste yeah. can take you right back it to, just to stop your childhood. You in your tracks and, and sometimes that happens to me. I'm, I've I sometimes feel I've got the best job in the world because I, this like this morning, I you know the the kitchen in there just smelled like my grandmother's kitchen. I mean, how awesome is that? You know, one of the things that really did form my childhood and who I am as a person was was the Turkish invasion, um, and you know we lost everything, literally everything uh, overnight. Um, went from refugee camp to state-owned um, house, and it was it was pretty rubbish to be honest with you. I was born two years after the invasion, uh, but obviously I was still in the aftermath of that, and we still had the the sirens, and it, it was it was just it was just awful. Um, but my grandmother was actually in the refugee camp, and she has some very strong memories of that. And one of the things that she did really well was keep the memories of of, of her life before the invasion alive with food, because that's the one thing that she didn't lose. Um, the ability to cook. Everything else was gone. All the photographs were gone. They were given a, a, a small house in, in a very rural part of Cyprus, part of the kind of trying to accommodate the refugees. So it was really, I mean, it was a really basic house made out of stone with an outside toilet and just land. And she made that land work. You know, we had uh, almond trees, we had olive trees, we had carob trees, uh, orange, lemon, vineyards. Um, it was just amazing, amazing. And that's what I grew up with, a really basic village, rural approach towards eating. Um, and it was just that notion that at every stage of, of anything, whether it was meat or, or, or the olives or, or the almonds, there was the ability to create something from those things, regardless of the stage. And that all the cheese, it was just amazing. Just that really kind of practical but inventive creative way of approaching food in a really basic way. There was no waste. The idea of waste was abhorrent. Um, the idea that you should have um, meat sparingly, that it lived alongside the need to have a cheese and milk or halloumi, for example. So halloumi is made out of goat's milk, therefore you had goats and therefore you ate the goat. 
obviously. Um, and then when the halloumi was no longer fresh, you came up with a way in which to preserve it and have a mature halloumi, which is why actually we're going to start doing it with store. But although Nadia's food is inspired by her childhood in rural Cyprus, gourmet goat's street food reflects her immigrant inventiveness to mix Eastern Mediterranean with the best of British. I grew up in a very homogenous kind of environment in terms of the people, as in Cypriots. However, our neighbours, um, and you know, before the before Cyprus was divided, was surrounded by you know a mo- you know, multitude of cultures, including Baha'i. Uh, so a lot of people from Iran, um, we had a lot of people from Turkey, you know, it was a real melting pot. Um, and as such, the cuisine reflects it, and obviously the, the, the kind of the mainland Greek cuisine as well. So one of the things that I really, really fought against was the idea that we should name the dishes as, after, you know, specific countries. So for example, we have quite a lot of Cypriots and Greeks and Turks and Lebanese come to the store and say, oh, this is that, this is this. So rather we just we, we focus on the commonalities on the basis that it's a variation of the same ingredient, which I think is really kind of indicative of that region. And I think it's got a really powerful message which translates right now because what I'm doing is I'm bringing this kind of these, these recipes which I've had growing up, adapted them to the British ingredients, the British kind of um, idea that you know we, the sustainable ingredients, and I'm making the two work and it, and it just it, it's been adopted by everyone so not just the you know the Greeks and the Cypriots who come and eat regularly but also the, the, the Brits as well who most of them haven't even had kid goat and I'm using British kid goat I'm not bringing it from Greece and I think that's just a really nice message and quite relevant to our current times like this is what uh, as you know immigrants do and, and it looks really good can we go back to your stall have a little taste of some of the food. <laughs> so take us through. That's a double roasted chickpea. It's another way of preserving pulses rather than uh, canning them or brining them. It's double roasting them. So we used to have those as snacks when we were kids. Got a nice little crunch to it. So I thought I want... It was one of those kind of... It was filed in my, my the library. And I said, like, I want to use that. And I thought it would be a great way to use it with beetroot. A really common beetroot salad with tahini in Cyprus and other parts of these med. Um, nice crunch, and it works amazingly well. This, this salad, if we took it away, we would be lynched. <laughs> and it's got pomegranate molasses as well. Uh, yes. And feta. Yeah, I, yeah the, and the feta. And we do actually use some of the curd occasionally, depending on what's, what, what, you know, what's available from Ellie's Dairy in the, in the market, and they make amazing curd um, because we use their meat, um, so we also use their, their, their curd as well. This is probably the one that's closest um, to my to my childhood because it, it's it's a very kind of wholesome salad, and most of the time it, we we had a vegetarian diet. So lentils, we've got lentils, chickpeas, nigella seeds. Nigella seeds is used quite a lot in baking. It's got a really lovely toasted flavour, which I, I wanted to give to the salad. And raisins, uh, tahini, um, lots of lemon, uh, and, and rocket. We wanted to use like a, a kind of a traditional British um, ingre- base ingredient, so cabbage, um, and we loved the idea of combining it with sumac um, because one of my it's one of my favourite spices. It's really lemony. It's great. It's not not something you cook with. It's something that you would season with. Nadia's grandmother's attitude towards waste has become one of the most important values driving gourmet goat. I think what's unique to what we're doing though is that we're taking 
things like that have been discarded, so like rose veal and British goat um, and the whey, and, and we're saying, no, no, please don't get rid of this stuff. This tastes phenomenal, and let's 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 show you guys how we do it. From you know, the... so tell us why people want to get rid of rose veal. <laughs> I think actually the reason why I mean, because there was a time when people didn't want to get rid of it, and that's kind of part of the problem is that it was very very popular a long time ago in the eighties. I feel like it shouldn't be a long time ago, but it is. <laughs> and then when it when it became very popular, more people wanted it, and you know the the demand and the supply was slightly you know there's a bit of a disconnect there. <laughs> But, but also it meant that um, bad practices were adopted. And now the RSBCA has come out and say, actually, you need to be eating more veal. And this is what it's going to be called, is rose veal, to distinguish it from, you know, the, the veal that people used to think of. And, and rose veal just means that it's, it's good, it's ethical. And, yeah, and, and the, rose also refers to the colour, doesn't exactly. it? Exactly. So it just it means that this is an indicator that the animal has been fed well because um, it's, it's that really kind of healthy uh, meat um, and it's, it's it's been reared in a way which is ethical and that's what all people want really when, when they're eating good meat. Because it's pink. It just shows you that it, it's a very very healthy healthy meat um, and it tastes phenomenal really good. But having said that it's called gourmet goat and you are famous for your goat and you've won all your awards for your goats. Yeah. Um, Tell us about goat. <laughs> yeah, it, it, you know, it's funny because like, like now, you know, of course, we started off with goat and, and it was the basic premise that, you know, why, why is it that we can't get goat in this country and we've got such a thriving dairy industry? Um, and so right now, you know, we, we, we still sell more goat than anything else um, and it tastes phenomenal. We only work with small farmers or rearers that we know um, and yeah and, and it's going from you know from strength to strength and that's a really important thing for you isn't it mm. to, is to support producers yeah. support farmers did that which came first the farmer or the goat uh, if I'm perfectly honest it's the goat um, because first it, I was led to it by my desire to recreate a flavor memory um, and then, of course, I wanted to source it from the right place. But and, and what we soon realised, actually, that flavour memory is also associated with a, a certain type of rearing, um, because meat tastes better when it's been reared well. Um, and so it soon became apparent, actually, there's some incredible farmers, incredible rearers in this country, and we are we're so privileged to be working with them and, they, and they've been awesome so there's all these ways of making sure that you extended the life of, of something as well which is what the approach we have here so we try and use waste well other people's waste which we don't regard as waste so for example cheese makers as well and we worked with a cheese maker who used to make halloumi who still does um, and so the, the whey is typically discarded but actually the whey contains a lot of nutrition and it's actually really good for you so he started making uh, a whey cheese, which is very traditional in Cyprus, uh, called anari, and it's kind of like a ricotta. And then we started using some of the whey from Ellie's Dairy as well to make our own um, cheese. Um, or some of the other traders, they started, um, you know, uh, some of the veg. Uh, we, we made our own piccalilli, um, because pickles go really well with our food. <laughs> I don't know what this approach is, like you have to buy everything pristine looking. 
it's the way veggie is it just looks a bit battered sometimes but actually pickling is something that we've been doing we've all been doing across the world for years it's so good like it's centuries with with leftovers i know and with meat in fact as well you can pickle meat and it some of it tastes really fantastic um, it's just about being resourceful and having the interest in to create something which i don't know it's just makes everything worthwhile really and and the croutons you get from the bakery here yeah yeah so we we were offered um leftover bread um in which to make uh, croutons Uh, and this is an ancient ancient approach about preserving uh, bread in fact it's it's the first biscuit (laughs) it's double baking bread to uh, preserve it um, and it lasts for ages and you revive it in a similar way of like you would rehydrate a tomato or a sun-dried tomato for example so what we did we slow roasted veg which were past their best they were fine (laughs) really good so they released all their natural juices with olive oil and then we put in a, a, a vinegar reduction to balance those sweet flavors and when it when it came out of the oven uh, all the croutons went in to absorb all the flavour. So it was kind of like um, a Greek panzanella. Um, and we it, it, we just couldn't keep up with demand. And who would have thought, just turn around to people, it's like, you're eating stale bread. <laughs> it's not stale bread. I suppose it kind of is, it is. It, but it's, but, you know. Oh God, it's delicious. <laughs> and Gourmet Goat's simple attitude to food and waste hasn't gone unnoticed. Nadia talked me through some of the awards that she and husband Nick have won in the last two years. We first got our five stars from Time Out and then I think people began to realise where we were, um, certainly locally. Uh, the BBC Food and Farming Awards was this absolutely different ball game because this was a you know, massive national competition, well not competition, it was a national award. And I think, as I remember it, 670 street food takeaways were up for nomination. So obviously when we made it to the final three, for at the time, you know, our kid goat dishes, we just couldn't believe it. We really couldn't believe it. And there's some really fantastic people there doing some really awesome things. And um, there we were. And, you know, Angela Hartnett came and, and Paula McIntyre came down to judges. Um, and what is lovely about that? It means that there is so much amazing food out there all over the country. I know, it, it is pretty amazing. I think what the great thing about the BBC Food and Farming was they really seem to have got the balance right between talking about the importance of supporting um, the, the farms and, and the farming industry, um, but also the quality of food that follows on from that. Um, and that was really humbling, really, to, to see um, and, and all the efforts that people are going to do to come up with a fantastic produce. And, of course, it gives food the story, which is what we all love. Yeah, of course. Let's go back to your thousands of awards. <laughs> so, Slow Food London? Yeah. I mean, Slow Food, the concept of Slow Food is one which we naturally aligned ourselves with anyway because it's, it's pretty much what, what we are. Yeah. Um, and we, start, we, we actually um, became part of Slow Food, I think, within a month of trading. And it was really helpful um, to be aware of Slow Food, but also just they're, they're very helpful in terms of determining what other suppliers are out there, what other farms. Yeah, exactly, on the networking front. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and, and, and obviously they thought uh, that we were 
<laughs> reasonably good too <laughs> and they gave us the award ticks all the boxes and then yeah. of course we come to the Urban Food Awards yeah. which is Borough Market's own awards and you were the winner of the Sustainable Street Food and the Best Surplus Food Initiative yeah that's right and, um, and these are given sponsored by the Mayor of London which is such an important thing isn't it well it really is I mean actually the, the Mayor of London uh, created his own category because what he wanted to do was send out a very strong message um, as to what he regarded as important, um, as well as um, uh, honouring and, and rewarding people who've worked hard to produce good quality food, he's also saying that actually we need to address a major, major waste um, in, in the capital. Um, so yeah, so he created this one category, and um, yeah, he and, and, the winner. <laughs> and of course, it is, it is a really important award, isn't it? Because the food industry in the capital is one of the biggest employers. Um, because, of course, it's so vast now. It reaches into so many people's lives. Um, so to win that in a place like Borough Market, which is, I mean, its main message is sustainability now, isn't it? No, absolutely, absolutely. And it, and it really just, I think for, for Borough Market as well as for, for us, it just, it sends such a great message of support and, and, and just basically saying what you're doing is, is right and, and people want you to continue doing this and, and the mayor wants you to continue doing this. Um, and so, yeah, it, a lot of all, all the hard work that the market and ourselves have, have put in was, was rewarded. Um, and you can see that by the, the queues out here at lunchtime. It's, it, you know, it isn't <laughs> just a marketing it. message. I know, who would have thought it? Yeah, people you? queuing up for Kid Go. I think, I, if I'm perfectly honest, not in a million years that I expect it to be. I think you know, this is the first time today that I think Olivia's not been serving and it's just been... It's been phenomenal, the re- yeah, the, re- the response and just the love of good food and, yeah. And, and love of good food, but also the whole deal. It's the whole story that people buy into. It's, it's not that they don't know what yeah. you do. I think, I think inevitably with, with these sorts of things, um, these awards really do bring out backstory. Um, and the backstory for many is what keeps us going. For me, um, it was preserving my heritage and, and everything that I had learned through my grandmother and that absolute total respect for land, uh, produce, uh, and farming. When we won the BBC Food and Farming Awards, we had people travel from across the country because they had heard us on the radio or had seen us on TV, and it meant so much to them. And we still have people coming down saying, I heard you, what you said it was just so lovely. Isn't that lovely? It is, it is. And people incredibly gratifying. I know. Really, actually, quite satisfying to do something with your hands and create something, um, and something that people really appreciate. And obviously, at the same time, addressing you know a serious issue in the dairy industry, and and work with some fantastic farmers. We know some great people and some really wonderful stories behind them as well. So, the more we do well, the better they do as well. So, Brilliant. it well is. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Borough Market podcast. You can find much more about the traders by going to boroughmarket.org.uk. And do subscribe to the podcast. We'll see you next week for more stories behind the stores at London's most famous market.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.